opening it up now. Can we start? We have a quorum. You are good to go. All right. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to call the September 22, 2022 regular Board of Trustees meeting to order. Um, and Linda Shaw will take roll. President Davila. Here. Vice President Rizzo. Here. Trustee Chisty. Here. Trustee Green. I'm not yet present. Trustee Selby? Here. Trustee Williams? Here. Trustee Wong? Present. Student Trustee Villalobos? Present. You do have a quorum. Um, just as a matter, I was here. I just wasn't made a panelist. I'm here. Oh. All right. Thank you for letting me know. Okay, so. The land acknowledgement statement, we acknowledge that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramaytu Sholoni, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous steward of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramaytu Sholoni have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretaker of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramaytush community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Um, okay. President Davilas. Yes. Sorry for the interruption. Um, I'd like to make a, a motion to amend the agenda to move the close. Can hear her? Or is it just Oh, no. oh you can, can hear her? Okay, I, I couldn't hear you. I couldn't hear you at all. Um, I'd like to make a motion to you. amend the agenda to move the closed session item to the um, towards the end of our agenda in order to um, just have greater public participation. Um, so I think it will just support with that process. So I'd like to make a motion to amend the agenda. Okay. It looks like um, Trustee Selby. Seconded. Okay. And um, I do know that I think it's fairly light tonight, so we should be able to move through it, but I need to last through the meeting. And I know that um, Trustee Williams is going to be, she had um, an emergency tonight. So she's here. I'm here, tonight, Trustee President Double. Will you, will you be able to attend the closed session later on? Yeah, I don't have an emergency. Okay. I just oh, need did. to step out. Oh, <laughs> it's okay. okay. You don't need to announce right. that. But. <laughs> all right. So, all right. Then, um, Linda, you want to take the roll call vote? 
Uh, student Trustee Villalobos, advisory vote. Aye. President Davila. Here. Is that yes. an aye? Yes, aye. Vice President Rizzo. Yes. Trustee Chisty. Aye. Trustee Green. Yes. Trustee Selby. Aye. Trustee Williams. You're muted. Sorry, President. Or I. <laughs> Trustee Wong. President, uh, yes. The motion passes. Okay. Then let's move forward. Uh, do we have public comment, Linda? Mm -hmm. Items not on the agenda. Yes. First is uh, Dana Lebrec. Thank you. Can you hear me all? Yes. Thank you. I'd like to address the board regarding the impact to departments and the reality of our situation. The chancellor told you that the layoffs have not affected programs. The verb tense here is key to your understanding. At that moment in time, the past tense of the verb was used. Have not affected does not speak to my current reality in BEMA, nor in the other impacted departments, I might add. It's the present and future tense we're dealing with. The layoff and May 26th edict, edict by Chancellor Martin of a 39-month moratorium, not allowing us to bring back our full-time faculty, even on a part-time load, not able to bring back any of our part-timers and not able to teach an overload, has greatly affected the programs and our program offerings. The current and future tense removal is of program removal is this, all of our BEMA programs are negatively affected and will be eliminated due to forced attrition. In audio, I can only schedule one intermediate level course and one beginning course every semester. How do students successfully complete a 16 or more unit certificate of achievement with a slow drip of offering? There are a multitude of jobs currently in audio, video, and digital media. The students must be allowed to get through the program in two or three semesters. It's impossible with these deep changes, even though I've made changes to our curriculum for fall of 2023. I'm looking at our program review, writing about our successful past in BEMA with regard to equity and with regard to students obtaining work in the field. And currently I'm having to send students to other community colleges to complete their program in a timely manner. It's excruciating to write about the past and plan for a future that feels like it's being completely impacted by these changes. And I just wanna know, what are we doing here? We're not serving our students anymore. It's a downward spiral. Thank you. Thank you. Next is Jean Barish. Linda, I do not see Jean on right now. Okay, we can circle back. Uh, Jessica Bushbaum. I do see Jessica. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Can you hear me? Yes. Thank you. Um, I'm Jessica Buxbaum, chair of the ESL department. And I'd like to address the board about the ongoing impacts of layoffs to our college and programs. The layoffs that you approved have created terrible downstream impacts. Classes are overcrowded. For example, in ESL, we have an average of 67 students enrolled in each ESL section. Many classrooms are completely full, and as a result, the college is turning students away. Please find a way to get us out of this trap. We need more classes. 
in order to open more classes, we need faculty. Please allow us to recall our laid off full-time faculty and allow us to schedule our part-time faculty in order to support us to schedule the classes our students need, especially evening and weekend in-person classes. We have been cut to the bone. One year ago, we had 70 full-time equivalent faculty on the schedule. Now we have 47. We are no longer able to adequately serve our students. You have the power to change that. Please allow us to schedule our full-time faculty and our part-time faculty. Thank you so much. Thank you. Next is Fred Mulhern. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead, Fred. Uh, this is Fred Molheim, CCSF Community Activist, and I'm speaking on the 22-23 budget. Although the budget was unanimously adopted on September 15th, the board must not consider this water under the bridge. The September 8th budget committee budget study session ended, and at that time there were still unresolved issues and unanswered questions about data. And then on the 15th, without adequate time for public review, an updated version of the budget was presented for adoption. The trustees must continue to review and amend as needed this flawed budget. This must be done in collaboration with CCSF students, faculty, staff, and the public. The CCSF community deserves a transparent budget that is fully vetted and uncorrect data. Thank you for hearing the comment. Thank you. Next is Kate Fry. Uh, hello, these comments are directed at my colleagues and the community members. Um, our school has been cut beyond recognition. They said there is not enough money, yet there's extra money in reserves. They said the cuts were due to low enrollment, yet demand is through the roof. They said new sections would be open if needed, yet hundreds upon hundreds of students are being turned away and continue to be turned away as we speak. They said these cuts wouldn't interfere with students' ability to complete programs. That comment is so laughable, I'm not sure I need to remark on it. We are educators. We need to educate the public about what is being done to this school. Alumni, industry, residents need to know. For us, denial about the reality of our situation is understandable after so many years of sustained trauma, but we all need to stand up and fight for this institution. These comments are to the board. You have all received multiple emails from ESL instructors, including myself, that have had their classes capped at 200, not 20, 200 students with waiting lists. None of you even acknowledged receiving those emails or gave us a response. 
you say you are here to serve the students, I do not see any action that shows that you are serving the students. So again, to my colleagues, to the community, we need to stand up. We need to educate people about what is happening. To the board, whose side are you on? Thank you. Next is Malika Finkelstein. Hi, everyone. Um, in my in-person class today, five of the 15 people present were not registered students, so had not proved their vaccination status. Many classrooms and offices have no air circulation, so when the weather gets cold or smoky, windows can no longer be left open, those classes will have nowhere to go. Ventilation is insufficient or non-existent across many buildings. Counselors have been provided with these little plexiglass shields, one small panel in the middle of a wide desk. People who have exemptions are supposed to get testing, but testing isn't actually available. People indoors all over campus are unmasked. The point is, it's not working. Our policies show that we have policies, but they don't accomplish what we need. And administrators will tell you everything is fine. It's not fine. Now you're considering an item tonight, 10A on the consent calendar. It says, be it further resolved, the Board of Trustees of City College of San Francisco finds that the state of emergency continues to directly impact the ability of trustees, staff, and the public to meet safely in person. Skipping a little bit, and then it says, the potential presence of unvaccinated individuals, the potential for non-compliance with mask wearing requirements, the desire to protect the health of immunocompromised trustees, staff, and the public. Trustees, you want to protect yourself. I get it. Good for you for understanding the crisis isn't over. Now don't put me and my students in a situation that you won't walk into yourself. Now I say this as someone who fought to be able to work in person. I'm sick of Zoom and my students are sick of Zoom and the joy of being finally in a classroom with my students this semester is feeding my soul. But we need you to do something real about air quality. We need you to make COVID testing available, create a responsive system for positive cases, and crucially, allow the chairs, not deans, not upper administration, allow the chairs who know their programs the flexibility to assign remote work as conditions change. Thank you. Thank you. Next is Abigail Bornstein. Thank you. After going around the school asking for feedback on a budget with no details on any of the accounts, a few days prior to September 8th, we were shown the account details. September 8th was supposed to be a Board of Trustees study session on the budget. Vice Chancellor Dr. Alamine gave a brief overview and then opened it up for questions. His first question received was about the expectation of a deep dive into the budget. Dr. Alamine responded, we only have an hour and there's almost 100 pages here. You should have reviewed the documents. What do you want to know? The chancellor had to jump in to, ask, to help guide the conversation. It really was quite unbelievable to watch that. Trustees, that's the treatment that others at the college get as well. We started with no account details, questionable, questionable participatory governance, and ended with a very weak study session and a final approval on September 15th. We're going to have to do better than this. It certainly wasn't praiseworthy or something laudable. I've continued to ask for a detailed review of our COVID funds. We received roughly $50 million. Where was it all spent? Where's the accounting on those funds? That money has to be accounted for. Please bring this to the next Board of Trustees Budget and Audit Committee meeting. 
we got another 10 million between September 8th meeting and the final budget on September 15th. That wasn't even mentioned. Please watch those funds. We have lots of churning in finance and accounting. We had to pay back millions regarding Free City because we didn't properly account for expenses. Employees were long gone and no proper tracking was in place. What have we done with all the COVID funds? Trustees, you and the public should know how the tens of millions of dollars were spent. Where's the accounting on that? Ask to see it, review it. Thank you. Thank you. Next is Harry Bernstein. Hello, trustees. Um, so uh, there's definitely some issues in the the uh, adoption budget. Um, one of the things I believe the uh, uh, Academic Senate represent president will talk about this, but uh, you are obligated by uh, state law, education code, to consult with the Academic Senate and to get approval on the budget with them, not just to get um, you know, a phone call or something. Um, the, the executive summary of the budget said, we have steadily begun to align our budgeted expenses to match our expected revenues. How was that achieved? By massive cuts of classes. And there was evidence that this was not even, uh, was not required. Um, but you did not uh, face that at all. Alamine said, many thanks and appreciation to the students, staff, faculty, and administrators who provided input and comments to the initial draft, initial draft of the adoption budget. It's very helpful to understand your concerns. There's more concerns. You're hearing some of those concerns tonight, but um, you, the, you know, there were three budget hearings there were changes between the second one and the third one. I didn't see any evidence that you had, were even aware of it. There are millions of dollars. And Abigail Bornstein mentioned a, an additional $10 million. Uh, so where where are you? Um, there's also, uh, not someone mentioned not able to take overloads. There's a 25% increase in budget for overloads. So I don't understand why, why that that is the case. Uh, the chancellor promised that there would be uh, classes added as needed. Um, there's many, there's one case in particular of 10 low-level ESL classes, um, 140, 124. Thank you. Sean, is Jean Barish in the audience? I am still not seeing her right okay. now. Then that concludes public comment for items not on the agenda. President Davila, you're muted. I'm looking at where we are right now. Uh, Approval of the minutes. President Davila, may, may, I, um, may I speak? This is yes. uh, Trustee Selby. Uh, I just got a message from the student chancellor that she has is working and um, expected the closed session to be in the middle 
and so will not be available to do her report. And she's wondering if there's any possibility of doing it um, somehow later, uh, because with that switch, she's not able to make it earlier. Yeah, this is why I don't like changing it after we've said it. Um, I, I think we can fit her in. I think that would be great if we can if we can accommodate in some way. Yeah, let's let's just work on it. Okay, thank you. Um, all right, so approval of the minutes. Anybody going to make a motion? So move. I will move both of them. Or John, would you like to move both of them at the same time? Yes, both are moved. Okay, and I will second. Okay. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Should I take a roll call vote so we have it? Yeah. Okay. Yes, yes, please. Thank you. Student Trustee Villalobos, your advisory vote? Aye. Oops. And I'm so sorry, I just realized we do have public comment on the minutes. Do you want to take that before you take your vote? Oh. I'm so sorry. Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. Okay. Sean Harry Bernstein. Thank you, Sean. Um, yes, I'm noticing that um, in the August 25th uh, meeting, since that was the last one, uh, the first one since the uh, since June, um, Lauren Finkenauer mentioned automotive and motorcycle courses need to be reinstated. Um, you know, there is no motorcycle program right now. Uh, the chancellor has said he's hoping that that might be reinstated in the future. But this came up in the first week of classes, and there was a possibility to act then. It's sad that that was not done. Also, there's the uh, uh, ESL class with 124 students. Uh, the chancellor was asked uh, oh, it's the only evening class. It's so working people. That's a natural one. The chancellor was asked yesterday, would he commit to adding another class? There's a demo demonstrated need, average of 57 students per classes. He said, well, maybe we'll do it in the spring. What's going on here? Serving our current students is urgent, not just some future students. We're building on the present. Thank is this you. on the minutes? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah, um, I right. guess I guess you should read the minutes. Thank you. That concludes public comment on the minutes. And I'll go ahead with the vote. Student trustee Bill Lobos advisory vote. Aye. Thank you. President Davila. Aye. Vice President Russo. Aye. Trustee Chisti. Aye. Trustee Selby? Aye. Trustee Williams? Aye. Trustee Wong? Yes. It's unanimous. And we're going to have um, student chancellor's report later on. Um, I do have to say I may not make it. I am very sick. I have a fever over 100 right now. Um, but John is ready to take over as soon as I faint or otherwise. So. So let's go to the reports. Oh, 
I see your hand up, Trustee Green. Just want to say on the last um, item, I wasn't called, but I. Oh, I'm oh, so sorry. No worries. Just want to, just for record keeping purposes. Thank you. I apologize. No need, Linda. No need. Okay, let's go to reports if everyone is ready. And we'll come back to the student chancellor's report, but we have a student trustee Villalobos's report. Saludos, good afternoon. Can you all hear me? Yes. Okay. Uh, uh, good afternoon, uh, CCSF community. I just wanted to share with you all that uh, we're continuing, um, student leaderships are continuing to navigate and help with registration system. At this time, we're trying to make uh, make sure that students are able to register for classes that um, they need or we have to offer. Um, I went ahead and posted a link to the available classes that are offered at City College. Uh, as a late start, uh, the date was as of yesterday. We have 122 classes still available um, that just started yesterday or about to start. So that's one of my focus that I've, I've been working on, um, registration for this fall 2022. And um, so just wanted to uh, give that information out. Uh, currently, the Associate Student Councils of the Chinatown and the John Adams campus are getting ready for their special elections, which are coming uh, next month, October 16th. Uh, voting will be taking place uh, October 12th. Uh, and campaigning uh, started yesterday for these uh, two uh, campuses, centers, uh, the Chinatown North Beach and John Adams Center for the Associate Student Council there. Um, one announcement that I wanna share with you all, uh, the downtown campus is having a leadership fire chat at this coming tomorrow, actually, September Friday, September 23rd from 4 to 5 p.m. and it's online. Uh, the guest speaker and presenter would be Jenny Ming, which is a former CEO and former CEO of Charlotte Bruce and Old Navy. Um, that's going to be taking place tomorrow uh, from 4 to 5.30. Uh, you all are welcome. I'll be putting in the link for the, for the Zoom in the chat. And this is brought to you by the Downtown Associate Student Council and City College San Francisco Student Activities Office. And lastly, I wanna uh, invite us uh, CCSF community and students uh, to this Saturday's uh, CCSF football game, which would be uh, our next football game on the Ocean Campus, our home game. It's going to be against Fresno, uh, Fresno City. And this would be on Saturday, September 24th at 2 p.m. And for students, um, I, I don't know if for everybody else, but at least for students, uh, you are able to attend free this season. This is uh, this is the first time that students are going to be able to do that, uh, which is a big plus. All you have to do is is go on to the website, which I'll put the information in, in the chat as well. You go on to the website, uh, go on to athletics home, uh, the athletics home page, and then just click on the uh the tab for uh season tickets and you'll be able to uh, download it to your phone uh with just your student id number and you'll be able to 
uh, get in free to all home games um, that are non uh, non playoffs, I believe. So hope to see you there, students. And uh, just uh, wanted to reach uh, to remind you that if you uh, need help with registration or to navigate CCSF, uh, I'm here to help. I put my information in the chat, and um, hopefully, I get to connect with you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, guess I'm mixed. What's that? I believe I'm mixed. If you're ready. Right, I was about to call you. <laughs> okay. Uh, board committee reports. Can we have the budget and audit committee? Trustee okay. Wong. Thank you, President Davla. So to report back on September 8, 2022, we had our board budget and audit committee meeting. It was a meeting of the whole. We had our entire board there. We discussed the proposed 2022-2023 budget with a presentation from Vice Chancellor John Alleman. We also had a, a discussion on the California Community College's uh, Chancellor's Office Reserve requirement and, and to assess the impact on, on future budgets uh, and to provide a overview going forward the the state chancellor's office is recommending it's not a requirement yet but the state community the state chancellor's office wants two months worth of reserves at every community college so i'm concerned about how that would impact our college and uh, we had a discussion on that we also approved a resolution that uh, supports ab 1919 and it's a uh, the resolve clause mentions that we strongly urge the governor and legislature of California to approve and fund Assembly Bill 1919 as it will have a significant impact on making higher education more accessible as well as increasing student success retention rates, specifically of those from marginalized and underserved communities. Thank you. Thank you, Trustee Wong. Okay, now I have um, Facilities Master Planning and Oversight Committee. Trustee Rizzo. Yes, thank you. We had a, uh, a short meeting. We, we basically just got an overview on uh, <clears throat> where the, um, the, the, the uh, bond projects are. And, um, um, you know, I won't repeat that, but basically we have three projects. Um, we, we have three projects that are at the uh, Department of State Architecture uh, wait, awaiting final approval that uh, could happen any time now, could happen tomorrow for some of them. Uh, one of them is the, um, uh, the, the student uh, center, uh, which will be at the corner of, uh, of um, Ocean and uh, Frida Kahlo. Um, the other one is the STEAM building. And then the third uh, project at, at DSA is the, the uh, um, 750 Eddy um, project, which is actually uh, going to be uh, funded by the state. It's not funded by our bond. It's a state-funded earthquake retrofit project. But all three of those are, are ready. The, uh, uh, and, and, you know, as soon as construction will start, as soon as we get approval, um, the uh, um, Performing Arts Center uh, is is in design, um, and that design should 
finished sometime, uh, we think, in the first half of next year. Um, I have also been attending at, uh, the, the, uh, the user group meetings, and uh, I have to say that design is, is looking very nice um, for the Performing Arts Center or the Diego Rivera Theater, as it's officially known. Um, basically, these, these uh, meetings with the architects are um, designed to get the program right to make sure that what's in there is is what the uh, what the departments that are going to be using it what they need, and and so far um, um, everyone seems to be pretty happy about how they're going. So um, that's a very exciting uh, project as well. So uh, that is uh, my report. Thank you. Great. Thank you. And now we have uh, Trustee Selby for the Student Success and Policy Committee. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, we, first of all, just a little note to uh, Trustee Wong's AB1919. This is for, it, it is a uh, uh, the third attempt at getting uh, California, everybody who is a student from five to 105 to be able to uh, have free transit when they go to school. It's supposed to reduce our barriers to getting to school. Um, unfortunately, the um, the governor vetoed it. So I, I, I first of all want to say the student leaders, I want to thank them so much for their hard work on this and to say that we are not done, uh, that next year we hope to first of all get the reason, the reason he vetoed it is he blamed the legislature. He said the legislature didn't put the money in the budget, therefore he was going to veto it. So our work this upcoming year, which I invite us, anybody and everybody who wants to join us is going to be to get the money in the budget for the pilot program so that there's no reason at all that our pro public transit governor uh, has to, to veto it. Um, and as far as our committee meeting, uh, we first talked about, uh, we got an update on the Cantonese uh, certificates that we're going to have two different certificates and nine and an 18 certificate. There are some issues with whether or not they are going to be um, accepted without any kind of a, um, a test, essentially testing in uh, at places like UC Berkeley. Um, unfortunately, that is the case, not just for City College as was explained to us, but uh, for many, many, many CSUs um, and uh, community colleges there, the Cantonese is not easily accessible at that level, but we're still working on it and the certificates are moving forward. Uh, we had a robust discussion about Free City um, and changes to Free City. What would we ask for? And uh, you know, coming, we, we sort of started off with a wish list uh, that included everything, including things that I've spoken about, uh, having to do with, you know, could we use some of the money for marketing, uh, recruiting our students. We had a $1 million uh, sum that we were able to use when we increased our enrollment by 25%. Um, that is not available now. Um, we ended up, I think, giving general direction uh, to the chancellor to sort of open the door to really focus on things that had already been um, accepted by the board of supervisors, like making sure that we uh, eliminate the debt that our students have incurred um, and hopefully even change uh, some of the ways that the students uh, get that debt, which has to do with um, when they withdraw. Um, going forward. So I, I would I would uh, encourage everybody to watch that. And also, I think we're probably going to continue to discuss it um, as the chancellor and the and, and 
uh, Vice Chancellor Cooper Wilkins move forward with the, the Free City Committee. Uh, we also had our first board policy review uh, and it was understood. So it, just so you all know, for ACCJC, we have to review our policies on a regular basis. Um, and uh, we have quite a few to review. And uh, there was a little misunderstanding, I think, on all sides. We thought that on our side, uh, several of the trustees thought that we would be sort of looking in depth at each policy. Um, and and um, in fact, when you have uh, 30 or 40 policies that you are looking at at one time, that was not a possibility. Uh, we did quickly run through them. And uh, thanks to Trustee Chisty, we did um, also uh, create a process by which we'll have a first and a second reading before it comes to the board. So that gives us a little bit more time to look into it and make sure that we um, are okay. In a lot of cases, especially with this first set of policies, there's not a lot of leeway to what the wording can be. And, um, uh, more ed code, state, state kind of uh, things. But nonetheless, I think we all felt like if we're reviewing, we want to have the time to review. So we are going to have a first and a second reading. Finally, we talked about uh, the fall uh, late start plans. And I, again, don't know um, to what extent uh, our audience and, and, and even fellow trustees are aware, but we are down in, um, in enrollment. We are down and uh, the late start is an opportunity. And I really, really appreciate our student trustee, Mani Nani, who is um, obviously uh, super aware that we have these late start programs, that there are 120 classes that could be uh, filled still. And, and he is doing his best along with our counselors uh, to make sure that students who are looking for classes are able to get those classes. Um, I wanna run through some of the things that are being done to market. To, to let students know that these classes are out there, which includes our new texting abilities, emailing, um, uh, mobile app advertising, actually advertising on Canvas, which I think is interesting. So maybe students who are already here may take an additional class if they see the advertising on Canvas. Uh, public service announcements, and I, I actually uh, don't know if I asked this, but SFMTA is a great place. If not this year, then next, um, I would highly recommend that we get that PSA. It's extremely cost effective. I haven't seen us there, um, but I think that's a great place to have us um, and, and more. So I want to thank uh, our Vice Chancellor, uh, Cooper Wilkins, and her team uh, for everything that they're doing to try and get more students in the door my report. Thank you. Thank you. And now we have stakeholder reports. Um, let's start with Academic Senate President's Report, Mitra Sapienza. Excuse me, President Dabla. The Chancellor's Report is actually yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to skip right over you. Maybe I should just have John take over now. Uh, that's ahead. okay, President Davla, and uh, I will be brief, but I do have a couple of items this afternoon. Uh, the first item that I'd like to go through is the attachment, and if I may grab the screen, if that would be okay, so I can flip through uh, the uh, draft uh, request for proposals for a new registration system. So hopefully everybody can see this uh, okay, but I 
Uh, flip down to the second or third page of the PDF. And let me move that and close that. So our table of contents, and, and really I'll just focus on a couple of areas as we scroll through this document. And the first part that I wanted to stop at uh, is the proposal format. So what we will be asking for or from our potential vendors uh, is identified here on page six of the PDF, starting in section three. Uh, there are key performance indicators uh, and so on uh, listed below. Uh, I, I actually, I, I did not hear that. Did, any, did anyone else lose the chance there for a while? Uh, yeah, I did it. Okay, and I, I, uh, I'm freezing uh, lately here on, on the main campus due to the bandwidth. So I will uh, be mindful if if, uh, if I seem to not be uh, moving on my screen, I will pause and we will go back. All right, so real quickly, uh, jumping back up to the proposal format, this is the section within the RFP uh, that uh, we are requesting from uh, the potential vendors. We will be asking for an executive summary including the information below. Uh, we will be asking for a response to the student registration platform supplemental questionnaire. Uh, we get uh, a lot of questions from the, the campus community as to how can we participate and provide feedback in the RFP process. And this is a great document or a section of the RFP to do that. It's a supplemental questionnaire or questions that we want to uh, ask and request that the vendors include in their proposals. So if there are specific questions uh, that our campus community want to see addressed in the proposals from our vendors, uh, that is where uh, feedback is really needed uh, over the next couple of weeks as this draft RFP takes shape. Uh, we will be asking for a little bit of their technical uh, background and how they plan to address the scope of work. Uh, giving them an opportunity to identify any exceptions or any potential uh, modifications or deletions in our request uh, for a new registration system. Uh, the methodology that they will use in implementing and servicing the registration system, as well as certifications and other required forms. We will be asking for uh, proof of insurance, uh, as well as financial uh, statements as well, to ensure that whatever vendor we select uh, is financially uh, stable uh, and we'll be able to complete the project all the way through. So that is the first section that I wanted to touch base on. Now I wanted to jump down to the second component of the uh, draft request for proposal. Uh, this is the criteria or the scoring rubric uh, that a future committee will use to evaluate the submitted proposals. Uh, this at this point is, is draft and we'll go through uh, different rounds of feedback and input, uh, but we are uh, tentatively uh, holding 25 points for uh, an evaluation of the responses to the scope of work, uh, looking at the training that they will provide, the support, uh, the proposal format, the organization, the clarity of their presentation, of their paperwork, uh, the firm's expertise, uh, their responses to the supplemental questionnaire, and then the cost and fee structure. And then lastly, as I mentioned, we will be doing a financial uh, review of the vendors uh, to ensure that uh, a company can start the project uh, as in a strong financial position uh, on their end to ensure that they are able to complete it. 
Uh, so that is a little bit uh, of a summary when it comes to the criteria that uh, is proposed to evaluate the RFP submissions. I will uh, go down now to the schedule of events, and this is just a, a very high-level overview. Uh, we obviously need to plug in uh, definitive months uh, in the coming uh, weeks when we finalize this RFP. Uh, but in respects to process, uh, we will have to have a closing date for the RFP. Uh, we will uh, ask for them to submit uh, the proposal by a certain date. I uh, will schedule interviews. And then based on the recommendations of the search committee, uh, we will uh, request a uh, authorization and pre-approval from the board uh, to award a contract and then ultimately outline an anticipated start date. Uh, that start date uh, is going to be in uh, 2023. And depending on the implementation uh, timeline, uh, not only on the vendor's end, uh, but it also will take significant staff resources on city college's end uh, to implement a new registration system. So that is uh, going to be part of a future discussion. All right, moving quickly down uh, the draft RFP. Uh, we have some insurance requirements. And the, the last place I wanted to stop was just the overall scope of work here on page 15. Uh, so ultimately, uh, we are at a high level identifying several items that we want uh, at least addressed in an RFP proposal. Uh, this is an opportunity, and we will take this out into the, the campus community to get feedback and input on and really dive into uh, some of these areas and more specifics. Uh, but this uh, scope of work section uh, on page 15, as well as the supplemental questionnaire on page 17 uh, is where we're going to spend a majority of our time uh, engaging the campus community as well as the board prior to finalizing uh, and issuing any RFP uh, for a uh, registration system. Uh, at this point in time, I, I share this document as an initial draft, but it is an opportunity uh, to share with the trustees as well as the broader campus community the work that's been done to date. Uh, we are at a point where we're starting to transition out of talking about the RFP process uh, to really defining and drafting a request for proposals and then ultimately uh, issuing it uh, on or before uh, the end of the calendar year and then scheduling uh, interviews uh, in early spring and then hopefully having a vendor uh, to the board uh, by the end of the spring semester for a summertime uh, implementation start. Uh, that is, is ultimately up to uh, a couple factors and variables as we go through this process, uh, but there will be many more opportunities for feedback and input. Uh, this afternoon is just a first opportunity to review uh, really the initial framework of what will be the RFP for a new registration system. So I will go ahead and stop sharing, uh, and I do have a couple of updates unrelated uh, to the RFP, and then I'd be happy to answer any questions the trustees may have. I did want to note that uh, we did make a presentation to uh, the Free City Oversight Committee uh, on Monday in respects to the board's uh, request over the summer to use uh, Free City Reserve Funds to uh, waive outstanding student debt. Uh, I do believe the concept of using Free City Reserve Funds for outstanding debt was well received by the Oversight Committee. Additional information uh, was requested specific to 
uh, students who are here locally in San Francisco. So we are following up and providing that information uh, to the Oversight Committee as well as DCYF. Uh, but ultimately, a big step was taken this week, in my opinion, uh, to moving the ball forward to eventually be in a place where we can uh, negotiate amendments to the existing MOU to utilize reserve funds uh, to waive outstanding student debt here at City College. So we will absolutely keep the board and the campus up to date as those conversations continue. Uh, but I do believe a, a very big step forward was taken this week. Uh, with the presentation and the acknowledgement uh, of a high level of interest uh, from the Oversight Committee uh, in making this uh, concept a reality. I also wanted to touch base on uh, mental health uh, opportunities here at City College. So we are the recipient of a two-year mental health grant along with other community colleges uh, throughout the state. Uh, we are working through our student affairs channels to bring on mental health professionals uh, here in the near future so we can utilize those grant funds to have uh, individuals on our campus and available to our students uh, to help them with their mental health needs. So we will have more information on that, but we are trying to move as quickly as possible to bring that help on here uh, this semester. As Vice President Rizzo mentioned in respects to facilities, we are uh, potentially uh, a few weeks away from an official uh, thumbs up or go. Uh, from the Division of State Architect on some of our bond projects. Uh, ultimately, once we get DSA final approval, uh, we have uh, the full and clear runway to start uh, construction. So we are all uh, eagerly waiting uh, that final uh, stamp of approval here from DSA, which we do expect here uh, in the coming weeks, which then clears us uh, to start putting up construction fences and start uh, working and making significant progress on those construction projects. I also wanted to touch base on the spring 2023 schedule development. So we issued an initial uh, budget allocation to all of our departments uh, for the spring 2023 uh, schedule of classes. Uh, currently, as we stand today, uh, right now in the fall, we have approximately 440 uh, full-time equivalent faculty uh, in our schedule. The spring allocation that went out this week to department chairs is approximately 456 uh, full-time equivalent faculty. So we are uh, starting the spring schedule development with a 15 or 16 uh, FTF increase uh, from the fall semester or where we stand today. We're obviously monitoring uh, enrollment uh, very closely and we're going to use that. Uh, as a conversation piece, as we work with the department chairs and the deans in developing uh, the spring schedule. Uh, we're also looking at and examining our non-credit attendance. Uh, we did just recently pass the first census date for our non-credit courses. So we're now able to start pulling actual hours of attendance that we will use uh, in conversations regarding future scheduling of our ESL classes. Uh, right now, uh, as a public commenter mentioned, we are at an approximate uh, head count of about 67 uh, individuals uh, on our ESL class rosters. Uh, that is uh, a bit up from uh, semesters past. I believe the last two fall semesters, we've been approximately 65 uh, students uh, per individual class roster on average. So we are seeing an increase of about two students on average uh, per all of our ESL sections. 
So that is data that we're obviously using and going to continue to monitor uh, as we develop the spring schedule and the future fall schedule uh, for 2023. Uh, with that said, I appreciate the opportunity to address the board uh, this afternoon and be happy to answer any questions. Thank you. Hi, I, um, I'm gonna hand it over to John, but I just wanted to say, um, give a big clap for the RFP for the registration that we can finally afford to do this now. So thank you again for that. Um, John, you have a whole queue of people and public comment, so. All right, thank you. Uh, and uh, feel better, uh, President Davila. Thank you. Um, Trustee Wong. Thank you, Vice President Rizzo. Uh, yeah, and to the Chancellor, I'm thankful and very glad that we are able to give uh, out this report on the RFP today, the draft RFP. The student registration system is one of the things that I really want to ensure that we move on over this next year and a half or so, or however length of time it takes for us to enact a new system. Just you know, the complaints are just kind of ongoing from from students, and so I, I'm very glad that we we're taking this uh, proactive approach to to fixing it and getting that RFP out. Um, I look, look forward to just um, helping support this as much as I, I can and being able to you know, also share this uh, with um, the, some of the folks that have um, mentioned to me that they have had challenges for our registration system that uh, we're working on getting a new one. And I think that will make a lot of students and uh, community folks very happy with what we're doing. So thank you very much. Okay, uh, thank you. Uh, uh, Trustee Selby. Thanks, President Rizzo. Um, so I too am of course extremely excited that we're working on this. I do have some uh, questions that I'm hoping will uh, hopefully make it stronger uh, as an RFP. On, on the, first, um, the first is not about the RFP, but generally I have heard, and I believe many of us have heard that Skyline uh, has a very good registration system. And I wondered if you could if you could talk to us a little bit about what you know about that system and how maybe it differs from uh, what we have in terms of, in particular, vendors, because we're looking at an RFP that's going to be uh, getting a, a vendor on board, right? Uh, thank you for the question, Trustee Selby. And, and to my knowledge, uh, the San Mateo Community College District in which uh, Skyline is a part of, uh, it does use Banner, uh, so it is the same system uh, that we use uh, here at City College, but they, uh, to my knowledge, have uh, invested and continue to invest significant resources in annual upgrades and maintenance uh, and continuous improvement. I think in identifying potential differences, uh, I think that's where uh, the, the big differences lies, that uh, here at City College, uh, we do do uh, routine maintenance uh, to the best of our ability within our budget constraints, uh, but I do believe moving forward, prioritizing and, and devoting significant funding to upkeeping uh, and enhancing and improving and updating uh, the registration system will give us the opportunity to parallel uh, Skylines as well as other community college district systems. Thank you. And 
Um, are you in contact with them? Like, are the are the folks, you know, before we do the RFP, are we able to sort of pick their brain to maximize the possibility? I mean, I, you know, I personally would never go to any community college, but city college, but I have talked to a lot of people who have said, you know, that it was very easy for them to, to go to Skyline. And I know we're all you know, we're, we're sister colleges, as it were, would, would they be willing to sort of, you know, help us in sort of maximizing what to us are precious dollars, right? These are precious dollars. We want to maximize them as much as possible. Uh, yes. And I appreciate those comments because part of uh, the process that I uh, skipped over in the RFP review is that we are uh, going to ask and reach out to different community college districts throughout the state to get uh, their feedback and their input uh, on their vendors. It also helps us consolidate a comprehensive list of vendors that are out there. So when we finalize and issue this RFP, we can make sure we are sending copies uh, to vendors who have uh, track records of success here in our community college district. So we are absolutely reaching out to other colleges, uh, not only to get the, the pros and the cons of their system, uh, but also uh, identifying uh, successful vendor college relationships so we can make sure those vendors get a chance to bid uh, here at City College. Wonderful. Um, and this is a technical, very quick uh, question. What is a TNC offering? Uh, excuse me? A TNC offering? A TNC? Yeah, T and... C. It's it's in our it's in our bidding. I like we're giving ten points for it, and I'm like, what is it? I will let me uh, jump up the RFP. I don't. Does that ring a bell at all? We can we can. I, I will we'll pause to see if uh, anybody uh, knows. That's Tom and Charlie. Tom and Charlie. Tom and Charlie. Trying to say yeah, TNC. Um, and while that's going on, oh, I'm sorry, terms and conditions. It's the terms, terms and, conditions. and conditions. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Thank uh, you. Okay. Yeah, of course, that should that should matter, right? Terms, terms and conditions. And then there's a, a larger uh, issue which uh, you and I discussed, and that is, um, you know, there are these very large institutions, uh, corporations um, that uh, suck up all the money uh, in the community college system um, and are generally pretty good, but um, you know I think it's really important that we also try and help small businesses um, in in getting gaining some expertise um, in this sort of thing if they don't already have it. Or you know one of the things small businesses can do is actually know about the local market, the local community college, whatever it might be. Uh, I know that we discussed in the past, and I thought that we actually had in input implemented uh, a process by which all of our contracts would have a percentage of the business that would go to, I think it has to be an SBE, a state. It can't be an LBE, which is the local business enterprise for whatever reason. I think because we are a quasi-state institution, it has to be an SBE um, or a DBE. And I would like us to look into that um, for two reasons. One, because I do think local expertise can be tremendously helpful. Um, and and, and um, frankly, sometimes uh, they can do uh, what it might take 10 hours for them and 100 hours for a larger company. Um, but also, I think it's part of who we are as City College. We, we're trying to grow. Um, we're trying to grow our students. 
Um, you know, so they can get better jobs and they may have uh, some small business out there where we might be able to have a percentage of the business that is underneath the larger uh, contract uh, that can go to that small business. So I'd love it if you could look into that again um, and see, I believe it was during President Rocha's time here, uh, but I'm not sure that I was told anyhow that this was already in place, but um, if not, I'd love us to, to put that in place so that we can once again um, you know, honor the small businesses that, that, that really have struggled during COVID uh, even more so than, that, than they have otherwise and, and make sure they're a part of who we are as City College. Uh, yes, Travis, so we can uh, look at and report back ways to include uh, opportunities for small businesses and local businesses uh, to, to be a part of this process. So that is something we can report back on. Thank you. Um, my last thing is just um, you mentioned uh, that we're ready to uh, we're, we're getting things are happening, moving forward very quickly on facilities. And I'm really excited about that. Um, and uh, I, I just wanted to remind us that we had talked about seeing if we could get some sort of an uh, amendment to our uh, project labor agreement, which we already have in place with our, our, our trades people. Um, and this was something that was actually uh, suggested by Rudy Gonzalez of the building trades um, to get together an amendment that um, ensures that some of the 845 million, sort of this is my, my theme, I guess, of the evening, that some of the $845 million that we're going to be putting into building back our campus also goes towards students and uh, making sure that students can be part of um, the be benefit from this tremendous thing by getting jobs on campus, of course, but also by uh, possibly actually getting the trade and the skills to eventually be a union trade worker. So don't know where that stands. Uh, if I may, Trustee Selby, and I appreciate the comments, I, I do uh, think that it's a very a uh, good opportunity for us to look at the PLA or the project labor agreement. And as we start uh, significant construction projects here in the coming months, hopefully, if there are opportunities to use those projects as uh, training ground for our students uh, to uh, become apprentices and, and join uh, the trades, uh, I think that's a wonderful idea to explore and something that I can do some research on and see how we could potentially uh, intertwine that. Uh, moving forward, and I'd be happy to report back. Thank you. Okay, tr Trustee Williams. <clears throat> yes, thank you, uh, Chair Rizzo, and just want to thank you, Chancellor Martin, for uh, this excellent report. I mean, it's just so many good things uh, mentioned in your report. I mean, eliminating our student debt, the mental health support for students, improving our registration system, improving our enrollment monitoring and credit and non-credit and then also moving forward our um, facilities improvements. It just seems like there's a lot of really good work um, that's happening. So just wanna give you and your team um, a huge applause and thanks for all of your hard work and all of these things. I see them um, really helping us on our path to growth, our enrollment growth and, and getting our students the support they need. So yeah, I just wanted to say thank you so much um, for all your hard work and all of your team's hard work um, to our administration um, for everything that you're doing. And then the question I have was, um, 
uh, I know I mentioned this to you before about the money from the bond in terms of the registration improvement. Were you able to see if there's some funding that we could pull from the bond for like the actual system or I think it's like the hardware improvements or that area. So that was my only question, but thank you so much for the great report. Uh, thank you, uh, Trustee Williams, for the, the follow-up on that. I was hoping to have uh, a legal opinion to respond directly this afternoon. It hasn't come uh, in time, but that is certainly something that I can follow up on here, uh, hopefully within the next day or two, and then uh, bring it back to the broader campus community uh, at some point in the near future. But we are and have uh, reached out to our bond council uh, to get a definitive response uh, on that question. And as soon as we get that response, I will be uh, happy to share it with the trustees in the campus. Thank you. Okay, uh, Trustee Chisty. Thank you, Vice President Rizzo. And yes, I just wanna echo um, Trustee Williams' uh, comments. Thank you for this excellent report. Um, just a um, small thing that I wanna note for the RFP. I mean, the section that I'm the most interested in is the methodology, um, the methodology part of the RFP. And I do see that a part of the methodology is for whoever gets the this contract will provide a startup action plan and timeline to complete the project. And I'm just really emphasizing that. Like, I think I really want to see a plan and a timeline of, you know, when this is going to happen and um, for just extra attention to go there. And I would also um, be curious about whether the entity would have some type of like soft launch of some sort, um, a part of that plan and also integrate having um, students be a part of the, you know, the new platform um, and making sure that there's some type of piloting that happens with students navigating to use the system, a part of their overall plan for implementation. And um, also just maybe a side note, if, they're, if they will be having students a part of the piloting um, or like, you know, testing out the system of some sort that, you know, there's like gift cards or some type of incentive that goes to students to, to participate. Um, so I will, I will stop there, um, but thank you. Thank you for bringing this forward. And I'm really excited to see this moving on. Thank you. Um, I'll, I'll just say um, it, it is, I, I agree, it is very exciting to see the um, uh, registration system RFP out here. Um, this is this is something we've wanted to do for for several years now, but did not have the money in the budget. We did not have the money in the budget for uh, our required reserve. But now that we have a balanced budget and um, with no structural deficits, um, we can do things like build a new registration system. So um, this is very exciting. And uh, I thank the chancellor for his report. So, okay, uh, is there public comment on this? Yes, Harry Bernstein. Uh, <clears throat> yes. <clears throat> Thank you, uh, Chancellor, for reporting that. Um, so obviously the student registration uh, system has needed to be improved for a long time. I know that even though someone asked you about Skyline, you've been uh, 
conferring with them for months already, so that was good. Uh, I did notice that the uh, due date for a proposal is the fourth month of 2022, so I hope when you actually send it that you'll update the year. Um, I believe you, you did give it a timeline. So if a bid is received, first received six or seven months from now, uh, and this is only the first stage of the upgrade of the registration system, um, could you give us, a, and I don't know what the scope, you know, of what is there beyond the first stage. Um, so when would this be completed? I think you said that there would be work starting in the summer, but uh, how long a uh, process, you know, because I'm not sure how, how much of the failure to, you know, to do more than uh, standard maintenance has put us behind the eight ball. Um, and I'm sorry that we had to have such a desperate uh, cut of classes to be able to afford uh, working on the registration system. Thank you. So please, please ask about that board. Thank you. There's no further public comment on this item. Okay. Uh, there's no, no further discussion from trustees. We'll move on to the next item. And uh, what is the next item? It's stakeholders' reports. Okay, well, the first one is uh, the Academic Senate President's Report, Mitra uh, Spienza. Thank you, Trustee Rizzo. Sapienza. Sapienza. See, I, I'm sorry about that. That's okay. That's okay. Thank you. Um, my in-laws have drilled in the pronunciation, so now I'm carrying over sharing that with everybody. <laughs> uh, thank you all so much. Um, hello to the trustees and Chancellor Martin administrators and uh, the college community. I'm here to give the Academic Senate uh, report in our fifth week of the semester. Happy fifth week of the semester to everyone. Um, I wanted to start off just by sharing um, that I did submit a written report, uh, and that is also linked to the agenda. Thank you, Linda. Um, but I have a couple of additions, uh, if that's okay, because we uh, we had an executive council meeting just yesterday, so I have some, some fresh, uh, hot off the press items. Uh, but I'll go ahead and get started here. Um, so, as some of you may know, the Academic Senate Executive Council voted to continue holding our meetings remotely for the fall term. We're hoping to revisit that for the spring um, and hopes to be able to have some infrastructure to enable us to uh, consider having hybrid meetings um, to meet the, the various needs of our council members and other attendees. Um, wanted to thank um, several people. So I'm going to be doing some name dropping here. Um, so the Academic Senate continues to work with Chancellor Martin, Vice Chancellor Lee, uh, Dean Pam Mary, and the Program Review Committee on developing a process for prioritizing college-wide supplemental general funds specified for program review this year. This is very exciting work uh, that many faculty are contributing to um, 
and many other constituency groups as well. Um, most of the work is still in draft form, but we're making a lot of progress. And I wanted to thank the program review committee chairs, uh, co-chairs, Alexis, Alexis Litsky and Andrew King, who have led the committee uh, and have been working on a draft plan, timeline, and rubric concepts. We also have a lot of great work coming out of our online training work group, which is a work group of the Academic Senate. Um, and this is sort of outside of my written report because this just happened. Um, but I can add here that yesterday at our council meeting, we approved three resolutions that uh, started through the Office of Online Learning and came to the Senate, the Academic Senate, in part as a response to the requests coming from the online training work group. Um, they've been working hard over the last year to help increase access to online teaching training for all faculty, which as we know, given COVID and as we start to return has been really, really important. Wanted to shout out to Katrin Weiss, who's the chair of that work group, uh, and really great appreciation to the Office of Online Learning for their support and these improvements. So the resolutions we passed yesterday uh, really support departments in trying to develop online courses and programs and uh, really focusing on the needs of students who are asking for, for those options, as we know. Um, since those resolutions just dropped last night, we're still working on formatting them, so I don't have anything, uh, any links to share, but um, we will definitely be sharing those with the chancellor at our next collegial consultation. I also wanted to share that we've had an opportunity to uh, review board policies, um, as you know. Uh, they're flourishing. We've had the opportunity to give feedback through PGC, the Participatory Governance Committee, and also have been sharing it through the Executive Council of the Academic Senate. I'm really excited to be part of these discussions, especially as they, they have uh, evolved from the last Student Success and Policy Subcommittee meeting of the board a few weeks ago. Um, upon review, just some overview highlights here. Some of the board policies are, uh, some, not all, are, are noticeably lacking in inclusive language. Uh, so we've been working really closely with ABC Kristen Charles and the chancellor to gather those revision suggestions. Uh, which hopefully you'll, we'll, we'll have come through here. Obviously we will. Um, my hope is that these up, updates can bolster our collective ability to talk about uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion so that we can talk the DEI talk in our policies. But I also wanted to take a second to emphasize that the process of these making these revisions um, can also be an opportunity for us to reflect on not only the words and, and making the words look and sound good, but also how we embody the words. Um, updating the words can't be the end of it, right? It's not enough, but it's a really good start. Um, I wanted to congratulate and share with the board tonight um, a few faculty who have stepped up to uh, do statewide service and um, uh, non-instructional service for the college. Um, despite continuing to feel the departmental and programmatic impacts from the layoffs of faculty and staff last year, 
and the sort of subsequent weight of the increasing workloads that many of us face. Uh, we do have some faculty who are continuing to really look at, at uh, the broader sort of statewide work. Um, so we have biology faculty, Yang Lu, who is our new open education resource liaison to the State Academic Senate, and uh, Sue Shaw, who will be serving as our uh, non-credit distance education coordinator this year. So big thanks to them. Uh, and then one last note to add, and this was also not in my written report, uh, is just that as you hear, you know, faculty are hard at work doing a lot to move us forward into furthering our abilities to be student ready, while also continuing to grieve and struggle with the heavy weight of the losses that we have all been greatly impacted by. Ironically, as faculty contribute to reviews of board policies, administrative procedures, and even the writing, and almost especially the writing of the ICER report for accreditation, that again, shout outs, AVC Kristen Charles and biology faculty and first vice president of the Academic Senate, Sherry Moralia, um, have been working tirelessly on, they are caught kind of constant reminders that uh, we might not always be meeting uh, the promises that we have written in our policies and procedures for shared governance. Um, so we look forward to uh, continued discussion and co collegial consultation on how we can better include faculty voice in budget and planning processes that gives faculty sufficient time to contribute in a meaningful way um, and that also gives senior leadership the opportunity to engage with the feedback in a meaningful way. Um, so thank you all for your time. Um, and that's it for me. Thank you. And uh, thanks to the uh, Academic Senate for the, the great work that they do. Um, our next uh, report is the Classified Senate, who, which also does great work uh, uh, from President uh, Maria Salazar. Cologne, is, is she here? Yeah, I'm here, John, can you hear me? Okay, great. Oh, perfect. Well, hello everybody. I just um, wanna apologize to the board that I haven't been at a, um, the last few meetings. My day-to-day um, -day job has been keeping me on my toes and it's been um, needed my attention and, it's, and that's why I haven't been able to show up for the meetings. But moving on from that, um, first of all, I want to welcome the classified and the students to another semester. I mean, it's I can't believe it's almost October. I just thought we just started this semester, but here we are. Um, I also want to share that the classified Senate last spring had an, elec an election and we have two new vice presidents and some new senators. We had our first uh, meeting with the, with the new group and um, the chancellor came in I'll just share with you all what we shared with the chancellor when he told us about the new registration system, which we are most excited for. Um, it's long overdue, of course, um, but the folks who need to be a part of that process is most definitely students and most definitely classified. And it needs to be the classified who actually work in registration. And it needs to be various um, classified who work in registration. So I hope that that opportunity is given to them and not just to management because a lot of times it's not management who's doing that frontline work. It's actually the classified, like the cashiers, like the 1406s, like the 1404s, like the 1488s, like the 1840s, 42s, so on, so, so on, so forth. 
So just keep that in mind when we move on with that process that they're not uh, discluded, they're actually included. Because I think what happens at this college a lot of time, you seem to forget that classified employees are just another um, employee group. We're no lesser than anybody here, any other employee group. And it's unfortunate that in 2022, we still have people who don't recognize that classified employees just took on a career as classified employees. It doesn't make them less than, it never will, than anybody in any career. It's just a career that we have chosen and it's the one we want. So I just wish people were really like, I don't know, go to a wellness retreat or something and fix your mind or something has to be done because it's just, it's just irritating that we still have today at this college, these haters, I guess, what you want to call, right? It's unfortunate that there's different employee groups that like to go out there and just assume that classified is given anything. Classified is not given anything at this college. Anything that we earned or received is because we earned it and we worked for it. Nothing came to any classified employee here for free. So the fact that people are going around bad-mouthing the custodians, I don't appreciate it. They have been here from the beginning of the pandemic. Must have forgotten. I think a lot of people here at this college forgot that Classified got laid off. I think people forgot that a big group of that Classified they laid off was the custodians. And now that the burden is on them, now that we're back, almost fully on campus, they must have, somebody forgot that that layoffs happened. Somebody forgot that they put 11 custodians on that list. Somebody forgot that. So when, when people are going around expecting the custodial staff to do more than what they need to do or more than what they can take on, let me tell you guys, there are custodians who are falling apart physically. They are not well. So back off them. G give them a break. And because of that behavior, and because of the way they continue to be treated, you got more retiring because they're done. They're done with the treatment. Something, something needs to change in how classified or treated at this college. I don't, I don't, I see a little bit of a difference, but not, not big enough. We are the ones who give the service to the students. We throw out the red carpet for the students and we need to be recognized for that. And it's just a shame. It's, um, and I'm, I'm tired of when I do have to come to these meetings to remind people of the importance of classified employees at this college. But let me say it again, loud and clear for the people way in the back, especially for you haters who need to go sign up for a wellness retreat to fix your mind. Classified employees are important. We are somebody, maybe not to you, but we are somebody to students. We are somebody to our families. You don't like it? Go get a job somewhere else because we ain't leaving. As a classified Senate president and also on the behalf of the classified, we would like to congratulate our new SEIU 1021 chapter president, Carl Gamara. We look forward to working with him in that capacity. And um, that's it, John. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, 
And now uh, are the new president, uh, Carl Gamara of the uh, SCIU Local 1021, uh, our new president. Uh, thank you, uh, John. Uh, good afternoon, trustees and chancellor. First, I would like to thank Katina for all the years of service she has given to all of us as our SEIU 10 to 1 chapter president here at City College of San Francisco. Athena has given so much of herself that is, uh, it is unmeasurable to this chapter and the district. Even though she has decided to step down, she is still with us as our chief steward. I just want to say thank you to Athena. I am so fortunate to fortunate that our paths have crossed in this lifetime as learned much from her as I am sure many others have. In closing, our SCIU leadership team has hope that we can move forward, especially with all that has happened in the classified reduction in our workforce in January, working towards a better outcome for all SCIU members, district employees, and especially our students on making sure we provide all the necessary services for the students' needs to attain their goals and be successful. We're all on the same ship and we need to row in the same direction as we're all here to make sure students succeed and get their either their degrees, their certificates, whatever that is. But that's what we need to do. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, uh, next is um, the American Federation of Teachers Locals 2121 President's Report, Mary Bravewoman. Thank you, trustees, uh, for this opportunity to address you. But in reality, I, I am here to address the audience, the, um, the members of the college community and the um, and the, the community at large. Um, I, I, I hope that you will go back and listen to the earlier public comment. I think my colleagues said it very well in, um, in expressing their concerns over the working conditions that we find ourselves in, in, um, in the, the conditions that our students are facing in not being able to access classes that meet their needs. I, I remember last spring um, attending a meeting where um, uh, uh, Dean Tessa Brown um, brought forward the equity plan and this board uh, very much was in favor and, and was applauding of the work that was done. But where we're at right now is that the students who are most vulnerable are suffering the most. Um, the reason that ESL class is so full in the evening is likely because it's the only offered class in the evening when we know that our students are working, they have families, they cannot attend a regular nine to five class schedule. They're, they're doing other things. Um, I would encourage you all to take a walk through the campuses, spend some time in the classrooms that you are expecting our faculty and our classified staff to work in and visit those, those spaces and see the conditions. We have, um, we have uh, OSHA complaints for mold. I have heard of a faculty member in the science building who is 
planning on holding a mold cleaning party. This is not the work of faculty. This is not the work of classified. This is a hazardous situation and needs to be addressed by a professional cleaning team. Um, I'm excited. I've been thrilled to be back in the classroom with my students. I'm fortunate enough to be in a room that has windows on two sides and the weather has been nice and we've been able to open up the, um, the windows for ventilation, for cross ventilation, but we have many people who are working still in interior rooms that don't have any adequate ventilation. Even in rooms with windows on only one side of the classroom, there is no cross ventilation. Um, and people want to come back. We know students want to be here and the working conditions are not safe. I, I've had reports of the mission campus. We're in week five, as uh, President Sapienza mentioned, and uh, no soap in the bathrooms. So we have these conflicting messages, wear a mask and um, uphold sanitary conditions, yet you go into the restroom and there's no soap to be used. Um, so I feel like there is a disconnect between um, the plans for the future and the desire to come back in person and the actual conditions that we are, are dealing with on the ground. Um, this morning, um, I work in the health center and they had a crew working on the elevator. I was glad to see that the elevator was being worked on because right now uh, people have to go through the creative arts building, use that elevator and then come across and it's, it's a trek. And then when you get to the doors, the, uh, the disabled button, if you're in a wheelchair, does not operate from the outside. So you have to have someone open the door for you. Um, but um, these things are happening during the middle of my class. So there, uh, there's metal being cut, there's things being banged on um, all right outside my windows, which need to be opened for the ventilation. So um, I, I, have, I have hopes for a better future for City College. We're willing to roll up our sleeves and work hard. I do think that our, our workers have been asked to do more with much less, and we are not serving our students in the way that they deserve to be served. So I implore you to do better, to, to listen to the people who are telling you who have the boots on the ground, who have, uh, who are in the spaces that are not safe to work in, and um, and do better. We all are here for our students. At least that's what the claim is that we're all here for our students at City College, right? We know what an asset it is to the school is to the city, um, but when we leave our students and our most vulnerable students uh, short and wanting in this way, it breaks my heart. So I, I look for, forward to better days and I do implore you, come visit the campuses, take a walk around and then ask yourselves as you are continuing to hold your meetings over Zoom for your own COVID safety, why should it be different for our faculty and our students and our classified staff? Thank you. Thank you. Okay, next um, is uh, the Administrators Association co-chairs report. Stephanie uh, uh, Chenard, excuse me if I mispronounced that. 
Chenard, you were, Chenard, you were pretty good. <laughs> All right, thank you. Um, well, we've made it through the first month of classes and things are, they're going. Um, committees are ramping up, uh, most with newer members to onboard. And there are some great things to report, such as we have several programs and services that are working steadfastly to meet the current needs of our students, both in-person and virtually. For example, the Queer Resource Center is hosting a weekly in-person Pride Lunch event where each Wednesday students are invited into the space to share a meal and connect with one another. Our Family Resource Center is once again providing childcare for students while they attend class and are working to expand services to allow parenting students to have childcare while they participate in clubs and participatory governance. However, keeping these programs running is not an easy task. The work is often difficult to do. Many of our programs have only one coordinator who is often part-time. And we would like to acknowledge our program coordinators for their ability to constantly adapt and evaluate programs and services in support of our students. And I'd like to thank um, and credit Amy Coffey, our Assistant Director of Student Activities for that update. But as I was running around um, managing my ever-increasing pile of work tasks and checking with colleagues to collect updates for today, one thing that stood out for me is how much people are feeling stressed, maxed out, and overwhelmed. Most folks are feeling too busy for a quick update, noting I'll have one for you next time. And importantly, this is not because there are no real updates to give, but that everyone is so mired in just keeping their nose above the waterline that it's hard to pause to think about all the things they are working on. The word burnout has come up time and time again in many conversations with my colleagues. The college is smaller in all personnel areas than it was last year. We know that. But it feels as if the workload has not necessarily decreased. Many departments have consolidated so that we have some people doing the same work that had previously been done by two separate administrators or more. And the cracks are starting to show. For example, I'm one of the administrators that absorbed two new, two new programs. I'm juggling daily tasks while still making time to go to days of, a, to, I'm sorry, to days of official trainings and internal meetings to learn my new programs. And I knew that this report needed to be completed. And so yesterday morning, I prioritized it on my list of the top five things that needed to be finished by the end of the day. And by the time the end of the day came, I had completed one of those critical five things in the midst of 75 other emergency things that came up. And as I was packing up to leave the campus, which was carefully timed to be able to get into my car and take the next two meetings by phone while I drove home to try to get to my home office in time to set up for a Zoom meeting for one of our client schools in Japan that started at 6 p.m., I kept trying to rearrange the scheduling puzzle pieces in my mind of how to complete this task. Where would I fit it in? After I finished a 12-hour workday, that would depend on how much homework my nine-year-old son had completed and how much help he needed from me. Now, I don't know how many of you remember fourth grade, but fourth grade homework is hard. So at 8 p.m. when my workday concluded, I was trying to figure out how I could still manage to show up for my own family and get all these things done. And the thing that I kept that kept going through my mind was, oh, great, another thing for me to make for me to fail at. And I was feeling defeated. And how is it that I keep working these crazy long days and still be so behind? 
And this feeling is not new and it is not unique to me. Many of my other colleagues have expressed the same feeling on numerous occasions. And this is because we were giving so much of ourselves to the college to create a better student experience and to add value to our community. We have worked to support our staff, our faculty, our students and community partners. We have rallied as building monitors when the first of our hands-on programs came back in person in October of 2020 to ensure a progressive return to campus while juggling the rest of our duties. We don't have eight hour work days and most of us find ourselves still showing up for phone calls, meetings and other work on our weekends, our vacations, our bereavement leave, our sick time, and even with COVID. We currently have two center deans that are still showing up to their centers every Saturday to make sure Saturday classes are able to meet. We have managed the fears and anger and concerns of our department students, our faculty and our staff. It's a lot. But another thing I've noticed is that we are talking about it to each other. The reason I've heard the word burnout a lot is because we are saying it out loud to each other. Burnout can be a very lonely thing, but when we confess that I'm feeling overwhelmed to each other, we find that we aren't alone. We aren't the only ones feeling like we are failing, but more than that, we are finding support in each other. And sometimes that support manifests in helping each other with tasks or talking through productive suggestions to identify resources or other solutions problems or helping talking through things that can be let go. We are acknowledging that we are all challenged and allowing each other space to say and feel that. I've had the opportunity in several administrative meetings in the past couple of months where he, we have been able to explicitly promise to support and help each other to alleviate this fatigue, this burnout. And this topic and related coping strategies are finding their way into our peer professional development. We see each other and are working to lift each other up. And what I really want the board to know tonight is that this report is not about burnout, but about resilience. The administrators of this college are committed to the mission of this college, and we are committed to our departments, our staff, our faculty, our managers, our own supervisors, and each other. Shonda Rhimes recently gave a speech at a college commencement, at a college commencement where she said, when people say, Shonda, how do you do it all? The answer is, I don't. Whenever you see me succeeding in one area of my life, that, is almost, that almost certainly means I'm failing in another area of life. So some days we are killing it and we're pulling out some kind of magic to make things work. And some days we are failing. But it's important to know that we are here and we are showing up and we are dedicated to keep this train moving forward even when we are digging deep. Thank you very much. Um, our next uh, report is from Department Chair Council President Darlene Alioto. Yes, uh, good evening trustees. Uh, September has proven to be a very busy time for the department chairs. We are in the midst of meeting, conferring, and analyzing data and developing our program review reports. This is our longer version of program review and is extremely time consuming. 
but the information will, that will result will be invaluable. We're working with what is called a tableau for data analysis. And we really want to give a shout of thanks to Pam Mary and Kristen Charles and their team for creating that document, which has been extremely helpful to the chairs as we analyze the data for this report. At the same time, the chairs are in the midst of developing the spring 2023 teaching schedule. Again, a major task, especially when the budget information we needed came to us more than a month late. We are working with interim Vice Chancellor Jesse Lee to be sure that that doesn't happen again. And we also want to be sure that you understand that even with the increase in the FTEF that was described earlier, we still need more FTEF in many departments in order to meet the student demand. I think I mentioned to you um, last, last time around that there is no department that stands alone. The impact of one department becomes an impact on all of us. A student that can't get a class in math or in English or in chemistry or in biology doesn't come to me the following semester. So the impact is really across the board for all of the academic departments. Uh, we also would like to give a thank you to Interim Chancellor Jesse Lee for the very cordial working relationship that has developed between him and his office and the DCC. The DCC is very concerned about the budget process. It is confounding to see how drastically a budget changed from September 8th to September 15th, not just in numbers, but in format for those that were trying to compare the two. And the columns, many of the columns, still don't seem to add up correctly. The September 8th study session was a sham. And apparently there are many of you who may have felt the same way because it was reported that you went into another perhaps more extended private study session, which is questionable in and of itself. We hope to work with Chancellor Martin to see to it that in the future, this vital process becomes truly transparent and we cannot say that that is happening at this time. I'd also like to report that Jamie Hayes from the PE and dance department recently wrote, quote, our athletic teams had a very successful and exciting 21-22 year. Two state championships, football and men's basketball, four conference championships, uh, women's soccer, men's and women's basketball and football, and many of the students transferred and earned scholarships. We'd like to add our congratulations to our athletes and tell you that we are expecting just as an exciting 22-23 season. As you look at what you are going to be doing at future board meetings or for future board meetings, 
the DCC wants to implore you to use the expertise of your BIMA faculty who know how to do an online session, who know how to do a hybrid session so that we avoid the garbled mess that turned out to be at the uh, recent Chancellor's Forum. When you use your faculty expertise, you not only gain an exceptional uh, process at the end, but you honor not only their expertise, but it shows respect and it shows appreciation for what they do. And we urge you to take that request seriously. And finally, we want to thank you for moving your closed session to the end of the meeting. We hope that it's a change in behavior that will be a lasting one. Thank you. Thank you, President Aliotto. I, I will just say that I've heard this rumor before about a, uh, a, an unagendized secret closed close session meeting about the budget. There, there was no such meeting uh, that occurred. Uh, I will tell you the, the meetings that we had about the budget were, uh, and there were three of them, were agendized and public meetings. Um, there were three of them this fall and there were uh, more um, uh, in, in the uh, spring. And um, we also had our budget committee meetings um, uh, every month, which I invite people to attend. They are not well attended by uh, other people, but we do talk a lot about the budget at the budget committee meetings. So I just wanted to set that record straight. Okay, what is our next uh, agenda item? <clears throat> Let's see. Um, uh, Vice President Rizzo, I believe we are on the monthly budget update. Now. Monthly budget update. Okay. Uh, uh, Vice Chancellor, I assume. Yes, Trustee Rizzo, uh, everyone. Good afternoon. Just to keep in consistent with our normal monthly report, um, we simply have the uh, actuals to date through July through the end of August. For your review, there's nothing um, at this point that as we're getting our budget year started that is particularly out of order, um, but we just wanted to make sure we were consistent in providing you with our monthly detail. Um, if there were any questions regarding any of the specific items within it, I'd be happy to answer any of those questions. Okay, thank you. Uh, uh, trustees, uh, other questions, uh, Trustee Selby. Yeah, just very quickly. Thank you, Vice President Rizzo. Um, I want to just for the audience, among others, recognize that the difference in expenses from July to August is for what reason, Vice Chancellor? Well, the difference in expenses from July to August is because during July, we are not necessarily in full operations. We're doing summer operations, um, particularly as you see from the certificated. And August reflects that we are back in session and fully for the fall. Um, and that normally is the difference in, in change in, in almost any of our uh, expenditures, particularly as related to certain salary areas. A lot of it just deals with the summer, um, won't say the break in summer, but the reduced workload that is in summer in a number of different areas, it ramps up in August through September and then through the rest of the year. 
Thank you. And then the second question is, do you know how August 2022 uh, in terms of expenses uh, uh, compares to August 21? We haven't. I, I should have asked you that earlier so you could be prepared. My apologies. No, that's fine. Um, we have not yet begun our process of going and looking at the differences between month to month at this point. We still are in the process of concluding year and close. We've been focused on getting the adopted budget prepared. So we will be doing that as part of our later reconciliation and doing considerations um, between looking at the different months and how things have trended differently over time. Thank you. Thank you, no more questions. Thank you, any other questions, trustees? Okay, seeing none, is there a, is there public comment? Yes, there is. Okay. Uh, first is Susanna Atwood. Hello, this is Susanna Atwood. I'm going to pass, this was a placeholder in case there was new information and I don't have any questions given that there isn't. Thank you. Thank you. Next is Abigail Bornstein. Thank you. So I wanted us to look at that budget, uh, the adopted budget. That is what was approved on September 15th. We didn't really spend a lot of time going through the details since um, as was noted, we only got details on the accounts um, around, um, around the 5th of September. But I, I just wanna point out, look at the 1100 account, the faculty, full-time faculty, it's 22, almost 23 million. If you look at full-time classified, that's almost 33 million. So 30, 23 million there. But if you have to project this out, you, we completely changed the accounts out. We didn't go through the details of this, but if you project that 1100 uh, account out, it's projecting out at $33 million. So we scheduled 23 million, we budgeted 23, it's projecting out at 33 million. And this is because we made all these changes in the actual budget and how we're handling the budget. If you looked at the details, which we never really got a chance to discuss. And so accounting is not accounting in the new way in which the adopted budget was done. And so there's a problem, I mean, there's just a problem here. Those numbers aren't, aren't correct and you can see it in the 1220 to 1280 account. So I hope that will get addressed. I also wanna point out the 3400 account. If you project this out, it, it looks like it's coming in around maybe 21 million. So that it already looks like there's 5 million just sort of sitting in there. So, I'm just saying when we don't actually spend the time to go through the details on the account and put them in advance and participatory governance and all of that and, and share this with how accounting is going to do it, we code things wrong and this, this is not accurate. There's problems on here. Thank you. Thank you. Next is Harry Bernstein. I found the unmute, okay, um, thank you. So see, I'm trying to, f uh, there are a couple of things 
One, the uh, 1120 line in the uh, budget represents a 35% uh, reduction in, in faculty from 34 nine, million nine to 22 million. Um, is, so is that, I just, I'm trying to find out if that is only represents what happened, the you know executions from uh, the spring, or is that even more? And I hadn't heard until today that uh, the chancellor, uh, I heard uh, Jessica Buxbaum's uh, eloquent plea for uh, helping with the needs of the um, uh, ESL department. And I hadn't heard that the chancellor said, absolutely, there is no way of adding any classes at this point. Why is that? The board has heard again and again how many people are not served. Uh, you know, classes that have 200 people in them. How can you, how can that reflect what is City College is doing? So something is still wrong with the budget. And the, the board did not vet the uh, differences in the budget between uh, September 8th and September 15th, or if they did, they certainly didn't find that there were any problems. Um, why isn't that discussed? Thank you. That concludes public comment for this item. Okay, thank you. Okay, can we go to the next agenda item? Is would be 10 consent items. Um, does someone want to move the, uh, the two consent items? I would be happy to move all of the items on consent for yes, section 10, 11, 12, and if you could, don't mind scooting down, Grace, and we can see if there's more underneath there. Uh, and 13 and 14, although there are no items in those, so really through, through 12. Okay, that. so the motion is by Trustee Selby, second by uh, Trustee Williams. Um, and that's the motion. And uh, Trustee Chisty, do you want to remove something or ask a question about something? Or I'd like to just speak to item 11B. 11B, okay, so we'll speak to it. We won't pull it, so we'll keep it in the calendar. But uh, um, yeah, so... <laughs> Um, all right, why don't you go ahead and uh, talk about 11B. Uh, thank you. Just want to take a moment um, to recognize um, all the folks that are on um, this list tonight and just recognize their contributions to the college community. Um, again, um, apologizing in advance for mispronouncing, for um, incorrectly pronouncing anyone's name, first name or last name. Um, so the first person we have is um, Glenn Aguiar, um, Division Math, um, Years of Service, 35 years and nine months, Edward Arquette, um, Auto uh, at, at the Evans Center, 36 years and six months, um, Charles um, Constantin, uh, Social Sciences, 18 years of contribution to City College, uh, Andrew Crockett, Division English, 16 years and six months, Esther Niziwi, uh, Behavioral Science, 27 years, Kathleen Perry, 
Photography, 34 years. Leslie Vaughn, ESL, 30 years and three months and moving to classified uh, retirements. Um, Willington Gan, 16 years of service in building and grounds. Huang Nui, custodial services, 21 years and five months. Than Quach, um, custodial services, 23 years and six months. Um, Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your many, 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 many years of service to City College, some of them more than I've been on this planet. So thank you so much. And I also want to recognize we do have some resignations and I wanna recognize those folks as well. Um, Paulina Mustasa, ESL, six years and seven months. Um, Narayan Bhattarai, testing student affairs, four years and 10 months. Tracy. Uh, um, Jane Gregory, VC Student Affairs Office, five years. Um, Eric Heistorf, Heistorf uh, nursing, seven years and 10 months. Sofia Montano, matric matriculation, two years and 10 months. Michelle Rodriguez, EOPS, four years and four months. And um, Monique Pascal, Mo Monique Pascual, apprenticeship, five years. Da uh, Dave Vigo, um, uh, DBO Administrative Services, one year and one month. Thank you again for everyone for contributing to our college community. Thank you. Um, is there public comment on the uh, calendar, consent calendar? Yes, uh, on item 139, purchase order report, Harry Bernstein. Okay. Okay, uh, so I just looked over the purchase order report and just a couple things stood out at me. Um, there must be a lot of moving around. The Coravan services, uh, maybe there, there's some way of getting a more detailed explanation, but uh, this, the last purchase orders added $240,000 to their allocation that makes a total contract of $760,000. I mean, I know there are projects like moving uh, the airport items to the campus and then dispersing them or whatever happens with that. But that's, that's kind of hard to believe that there's that much. Then there's Edie Bailey, uh, who does the, uh, you know, the annual reviews. And their 178,000 merely says accounting and CPA consulting services. And it's not like the details uh, show up easily. Um, so who's, why don't you go back to a more detailed uh, mention, uh, discussion in the document of what is in them. Uh, there was progress on that for a while. Now you've gone back to a very simple and almost meaningless uh, statement. And by the way, board members, you were challenged about your handling of the budget. And John Rizzo says, next. Um, it's very disappointing that you virtually ignore what people are saying. There's some really significant things that were said tonight. Thank you. Next is a public comment on uh, item 147, the travel for the forensic team. First is Fred Mulheim. Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Um, 
Well, you know, whatever you think about spending money for travel for a club, a college club at this time when our uh, ESL classes are jam packed, as I looked at this item, I couldn't see a dollar amount that was going to be approved. Um, and I, I looked at the PDF, um, but I didn't see that. So I'd be interested to know what that dollar amount is. Thank you. And next is Abigail Bornstein. Yeah, I would agree. I didn't see a dollar amount attached to it. So that might maybe some clarification on it. But I did want to say that I think it's fantastic that we're supporting the team. And th so this is you know, a good thing and that um, uh, we should support all, our, all of our teams. So it's great that we support our debate team here by approving this and that we also approved additional funding into, I think it was $100,000 last year into our sports teams. I think that's great. Um, but you know what we don't support is our cybersecurity team. We don't support that team. We don't pay for the coach. We don't fund the team in any way. Uh, we don't support uh, the classes to make sure that students are ready for those competitions, that we don't fund in any way. Even though we have a correct foundation fund, uh, grant for that, we've been using a good chunk of that for a new administrative position but there was supposed to be money in there for cybersecurity competitions. So I'm very supportive of the debate team getting funds for their travel, but I'd also like to see, and, and, and supportive of the sports teams, but I'd also like to see some support on the cybersecurity side as well, especially when the grant is sitting there. Thank you. That concludes public comment for the consent items. Thank you. Um, that uh, we now have a motion and a second on the um, uh, consent calendar. Uh, Linda, can you please uh, call roll? Yes. Student Trustee Villa Lobos, advisory vote. Aye. Uh, President Davila is absent. Uh, Vice President Rizzo. Yes. <clears throat> Trustee Chisty. Aye. Trustee Green. I believe he had to step away. Right. Trustee Selby? Aye. Trustee Williams? Aye. Trustee Wong? Yes. The motion passes. Okay, thank you um, all. And uh, the next agenda item? Our, uh, let's see, uh, requests for uh, future reports and uh, presentations or resolutions. Trustees, do we have any requests for future meetings? I don't see any, so we'll go to trustee reports. Uh, trustee Chisty, do you have a report? I'm sorry, I'm a little confused. Did we discuss 15A? I just asked for that. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Responded, so. <laughs> I'm sorry, I wanted oh. to. I would be very interested in, in speaking on that. I, I was kind of confused by where it is, I guess. Okay. Are we are we allowed? All right, Trustee Chisty, go ahead and then Trustee Davila. Um, sorry for the inconvenience. Um, so I could we define, so a few things. Could we define what a hybrid meeting is exactly? So if I may, Trustee Chisty, based on uh, the current uh, 
uh, waiver uh, that the board approves every month of the exemption to uh, the historical Brown Act regulations, a hybrid meeting uh, would be a meeting where uh, the board and or the public uh, can participate uh, virtually uh, without having to post uh, their address or their participation location. So it is a meeting where uh, people uh, can participate, i.e. the trustees or the campus or the college community, uh, but not have to post their, their location. So essentially would be, we would notice the meeting in advance as a hybrid meeting, which would then um, allow for people to attend, but their address to not be listed. Uh, that is correct, based on the uh, monthly exemption. Um, okay, so I, I'm I'm really hopeful, and um, I you know I know that this has been in conversation, and hopefully we have the infrastructure um, to kick this in motion. But I would love for us to have a board meeting in person, a full board meeting um, in person, with the option for public for the public to participate um, in, in a manner that's hybrid um, or convenient for them. And I'd also like for us to um, explore whether we can have our special meetings and possibly our committee meetings um, in a hybrid fashion as well, um, just so it would be easier for scheduling purposes. But I, I'm I'm really hopeful to have you know be in person for one for one of our full board meetings. So thank you, uh, Tr Trustee Davila. You mean Trustee Selby? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, <laughs> Trustee Selby. <laughs> I like, did I change my name? Um, so I would like to uh, also, we've spoken about this a couple of times. We are actually having in-person meetings for the Student Success and Policy Committee meeting, and I I, I really am seeing the benefits um, of being able to see your colleagues uh, in, in person. I just had a, a meeting with the gentleman who had his first in-person meeting with my, myself and my, my uh, business um, uh, partner. And he said it was the first one he'd had uh, since COVID started and he couldn't even believe how different it was. Um, I think we've kind of forgotten uh, what what happens when we're actually in front of each other and able to discuss things. I also want to bring up, so I, I'm very much in favor of this hybrid um, opportunity. I also want to bring up what I believe it was one of our reports today um, uh, talked about, which is, yes, we are asking our students to come back. Um, my experience talking to students is that they are happy coming back. My experience talking to, to teachers in general, faculty, is they seem to be, you know, seeing some real benefits to being back in person, which is not to say that we're going to be the same college and we're not going to have online classes as well. We'll, you know, hopefully have both moving forward. Um, but I think it behooves us as the board, um, if others are coming forward and, and being, uh, uh, you know, getting getting over this, this you know, this thing that we've been through and, and seeing ourselves face-to-face uh, -face, that we also should be modeling that. 
um, as a board. So I would love to see uh, the October board meeting be hybrid and, and preferably as many of us that can be in person and that includes the, the public. Um, I think that would be really uh, quite wonderful. Okay. Um, uh, student trustee Malinali. Uh, thank you, uh, Chair. Um, as as far as this um, this conversation, I'm I'm very for um, I'm for having uh, meetings in person, uh, but also having the hybrid option as well. Uh, having uh, addressing accessibility uh, for students and for community uh, that want to attend. Uh, public comment um, is very important for for myself to listen to what the the public has to say, uh, but also at the same time um, not being the only option to be in person. Um, I, I think it was mentioned uh, scheduling, uh, ske scheduling plays a big part, uh, but just having just uh, clarification. Uh, this is for the chancellor clarification and the hybrid component to it, does this mean that uh, members of the public would be able to be present at our board meetings? Is that correct? Uh, that would be uh, theoretically correct. It would be dependent on the size of the hybrid or the location in which we had the in-person uh, meeting or a component of the meeting, but uh, the the concept of having an in-person option uh, could be extended to uh, members of the college community uh, if if so chosen. I I uh, I actually want to challenge us uh, even more so to possibly uh, turning that possibly into making sure it's accessible to members of the public. Um, I. As a student trustee, I get a lot of emails uh, sent uh, from students uh, addressing concerns and uh, just the, the fact that they're not able to be there in person to address the board um, is, is troublesome. So I, I, I want to challenge us to convert that possible into making sure that it's accessible. If we're going to be being as a, as a board member is going to be present also having the accessibility for members of the public to be present as well um, and not forgetting the hybrid component for those that don't feel uh, safe or scheduling um, concerns at these meetings uh, and this this not only goes for our board meetings but our special uh, board meetings and our committee meetings as well it's, it's very important. Uh, if I may, uh, student trustee Mauna, I, I certainly uh, understand it and hear uh, the comments that you're making, and that is the, the long-term uh, plan as we're working through uh, setting up uh, a room, I believe in the multi-use building, the MUB, uh, having enough space and having the technology to where we can have uh, in-person and uh, virtual participation from members of our college community. I do know that is uh, the ultimate goal uh, and something we're working towards. 
Thank you, Chancellor. Uh, and <clears throat> anyone else? Oh, yes, uh, Susan Buckman. Yes, please do. So I signed up for public comment, but it's, uh, I'm so sorry to say this, but you guys have no idea what you're talking about. You don't understand what a hybrid meeting is. And this whole thing about having hybrid meetings so that you don't have to come in person, that's not what hybrid meetings are about. Once the state of emergency is over, you must return in person. Hybrid meetings are there to create greater accessibility for the public. It is not there to create a better experience for you. I'm sorry to be blunt about that. We are trying to create a situation where you can meet in public as you were before in MUB 140 and then allow the public to make public comment without having to attend in person. They can watch the meeting, make public comment, but the trustees must all be there in the room. All right, thank you. Is there anyone else? I do have people uh, listed for public comment on this item. Okay, why don't we go to public comment? All right, Dana Lebrecht. Thank you. Can you hear me all? Yes. Broadcast media services <clears throat> embedded in broadcast electronic media arts department has maintained stellar delivery of services throughout the college for many decades. This consists of deep expertise among our broadcast media services classified staff. One such delivery among our BMS classified staff is our video production and streaming services of the meetings of the board of trustees, among many others we provide. Broadcast engineers have deep knowledge of audiovisual delivery. This has never been questioned until recently. The board requested information about producing hybrid meetings in early summer. Our BMS team presented twice to the board facilities committee and once to the chancellor before the fall semester began about what is required to create a true hybrid presentation, given what we suppose the board means by hybrid. This type of delivery is inter interchangeably used by various entities at the college to mean different things. The hybrid flex day, for example, was not a two-way hybrid meeting, but rather a one-way one hybrid presentation, meeting an in-person and a remote audience. We've been doing this for quite some time. We've asked to meet with the college administration to discuss the issues of a true hybrid delivery, to ask questions, to inform us what you expect of hybrid delivery, for us to prepare a design build and a scope of work. What occurred for the last several weeks instead was BMS being sidelined while the ITS department was suddenly put in charge of the hybrid meeting planning in August and throughout September until now. The chancellor's important college forum sounded like he was being presented from inside a tub of water. No one tuning into the YouTube understood the message. Please, I ask you to ponder in further discussion to allow the professionals at the college who are well aware of how to provide successful streaming services for in-person meetings and are the best to equip the college with possible hybrid meetings. If the answer is yes, let's move forward together and let BEMA and BMS do what we do best. Thank you. Next is Fred Mulheim. I've been to several in-person board of trustee, uh, board of supervisor meetings at city hall. And I, each time I went, I wondered 
how come they can do it, but it isn't happening at City College? And I think that we have the resources to do it if the will is there. Thank you. Next is Harry Bernstein. Hello. I really appreciate Dana J. Lebrecht's very clear statement uh, and Susan Buckman's uh, information also about uh, what they would need to continue the, uh, the best service and providing uh, meeting coverage. Um, my, my own experience, I, I was unclear and it, it's still a bit unclear about whether the, the meetings envisaged are just having the uh, board present in the room and everybody else uh, away on Zoom. Maybe you mean for eventually uh, the, the public to come back. Um, my other experience was with the Student Success and Policy Committee. <clears throat> I have a class that made it almost impossible for me to get to Chinatown. I only heard on the day of the meeting that you were meeting in Chinatown and that there would be no uh, Zoom component. Um, let's have a little bit of transparency and plan for this, uh, plan for a way to uh, accept public comments. Um, it's only the, the only one of three meetings that day that was held that way. Um, maybe it's right for you, but um, the public who is in, interested in participating, you know, if they can't, you're not giving any option. In the old days, there was no option because you just went to the meeting if you were interested. And if you couldn't, you could write a letter and who knows what happened to that. Um, and the chancellor is saying sometime in the future, we'll try to get it all together. But he gave no indication of a time frame for when that the ideal hybrid meeting format would actually occur. Thank you. That concludes public comment for this item. All right. Thank you very much. Um, uh, th this is the first I've heard that that uh, BEMA is is not going to be uh, uh, producing the meetings uh, or our broadcast media department. Chancellor, can, can you tell us about what uh, was behind the, the change? Sure. So uh, at this point, uh, I do believe the uh, workup uh, until now has been uh, creating a space and getting the technology needed uh, for uh, the facility that will be uh, where we hold potential hybrid meetings in the future. Uh, to my knowledge, uh, there was no, uh, certainly no intent to not include uh, any department. It was certainly uh, part of the plan or is certainly part of the plan moving forward. I do know our IT team and our BEMA team, as well as uh, members uh, of our chancellor's office are going to be starting to meet regularly uh, to develop a plan on, on finalizing this hybrid uh, meeting space. Uh, so up until this point, uh, we have been uh, reaching out uh, through our IT department to access technology uh, that is needed. Uh, as that is, uh, I do believe, a responsibility of a campus technology department. Okay, thank you. Any other uh, questions, trustees? All right, well, we'll move on then um, uh, to trustee reports. I do not have a report, uh, Trustee Chisty. I do not. Okay, uh, Trustee Green. 
I do not. All right, uh, Trustee Selby. I do not, but I do want to remind Vice, uh, Vice President Rizzo that we do have our student chancellor who actually is back. So if there's a possibility of having her report in there. Um, oh, there we go. Sean, you just said that. Thank you. Um, that would be wonderful. Okay, thank you. Uh, Trustee Williams, do you have her report? I don't think she's, did she drop off? Okay, I guess she doesn't have a report then. Trustee Wong. No report. Okay, uh, if the, uh, the student uh, chancellor is, is available, we can take her report. <clears throat> you, I don't know if you're speaking, but you're muted. Sean, is the mute on our end or uh, the student chancellor's end? It is on the student chancellor's end. Uh, I was able to tell you she's here, but I can't tell you if she's actually behind there. She may <laughs> not be at the computer. Okay, stu student chancellor, are you, are you there? And if you're there, please unmute. I do have a message which is a little bit old from her that says that um, she's trying to fix internet issues. Okay. So this may be, uh, maybe we may have to take this as a written report. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, we're not hearing from her. So I, I think that is the meeting. I think we will go into a closed session then. Um, Can we get a vote on the agenda? The and I have... agenda. Yes, is there a motion for the closed session agenda? So moved. Second. Okay, I heard a move by Trustee Selby and a second by Trustee Green. Um, um, Linda, I do you... have public comment present. Public okay. comment, okay, go ahead. Perry Bernstein. Hey, according to the agenda, there are possible uh, real property negotiations and uh, and union negotiations. So it has been reported reported repeatedly that the administration has been unprepared um, or for their role in faculty contract negotiations. They're unwilling sometimes uh, even to show up at all. Uh, I might think on hearing of this that the district is not taking this matter seriously. The unfair labor practices CCSF has been charged with are embarrassing. Uh, the budget executive summary that we've seen has focuses on how wonderful it is to have a balanced budget without explaining that this was achieved due to extensive layoffs without addressing evidence that such cuts may not actually have been necessary. It is, in fact, the district's determination to plow ahead with such cuts that provided a serious, provoked a serious challenge to incumbent trustees who would ordinarily have sailed to victory with citywide endorsements. Instead, there is their four-person slate 
that is um, now has formed and has been getting a lot of endorsements. So um, incumbents are running for office. If you don't know the slate by now, I think you should. Thank you. That concludes public comment. For All right, we'll go to a vote. Uh, Linda, can you call the roll? Student Trustee Villalobos, advisory vote. Aye. Vice President Rizzo. Aye. Trustee Chisty. Aye. Trustee Green. Yes. Trustee Selby. Trustee Selby, you're muted. Trustee Wong. Trustee Wong. I'm here. Ah. And your vote? Yes. Okay. Trustee Selby, can you hear us? You still have enough votes for it to pass. Okay. Uh, the closed session agenda is approved. So we are. Uh, I guess we will be reconvening into open sessions for report, but uh, until then, uh, we are convening into closed session. Can you give us an estimate of how long you think closed session will take, Chancellor? Uh, yes, uh, approximately 60 minutes, and we will uh, communicate if it is longer. Okay, thank you.
Okay, uh, is Sean here? Are you here, Sean? I am. Okay, I think we can open it up. We have a quorum. We, we are open and you are good to start again. Okay, uh, we are reconvening uh, into open session, the Board of Trustees at City College. And um, I will just report that there was no um, reportable actions from the closed section. So I believe that is all we need to do here. <laughs> and uh, so we are adjourned. Thank you very much, everyone, and have a good night. <clears throat> have a good night. Thank you. <clears throat>